Welcome to Relationships as Spiritual Practice, Bridging the Secular and Spiritual, with your host, Lachelle Lowe Chardet, founder of Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and Wise Heart PDX. Hello. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I'm feeling a sense of warmth and gratitude as I imagine you listening and participating in the way that you are. Today I would like to talk about presence as a foundation for thriving relationships. The capacity to offer presence is so, so important. You are born to live in connection with others. This is how you thrive. And when someone is present with you, you have a sense of being known, seen, and received. And this form of connection is incredibly nourishing. It's something we all long for. It's something we all need. One of the most fulfilling parts of life is to be able to share the richness of your life with someone else. To share and to participate in the richness of another person's experience. This exchange of presence and what's fulfilling, it's so deeply satisfying. It's so deeply satisfying when you can be heard around what matters deeply to you and around the smallest of celebrations or pains or mournings. So today I'd like to talk about what is not presence and three ways to think about that so you can notice it a little more and what is presence. And then in future episodes, we'll look at some deeper strategies for cultivating presence. When you're listening to another person without presence, or when someone's listening to you, and you're happy they're listening to you, and you know, oh, there's a quality of presence they don't bring. I have someone in my community who I absolutely adore and love, and I know she loves me, cares about me. And I don't experience a sense of presence with her. And it really limits where we can go in our connection. There's one, I'm going to name three things, and there's something she does that continuously limits our connection. So I'll come back to that part. The three things that interfere with presence, we can talk about as a mental interference, a doing interference, and a selfing interference. Mentally, when you're blocking your own capacity to give presence, You're focusing more on the content of what someone's saying or offering 
than their experience. When you're focused on the details or the content, you're probably really focused on your own needs for clarity or stimulation or discovery. Presence is about offering attention to the other person, essentially. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So when you're in your head focused on the content, you're missing out on the experience of the person in favor of the events. It's kind of how you probably watch an episode on Netflix or a movie. You're just focused on what's happening and eager for the next thing, meeting your own needs for fun or stimulation or learning in that way. The second way that you might be blocking your own capacity to offer presence is while the other person is sharing their experience, you're thinking about what you'll do for them or with them. So often this doing mind has an orientation around fixing or solving or educating. Ah, as they tell me this, what I'll do is tell them what I know about this. Or I know how they can fix this, let me tell them. Give them advice or, or even maybe in the doing you actively physically take over whatever's happening to show them how it's done. Of course, sometimes when someone's need for immediate assistance is alive, they're not really looking for presence, right? If they have a flat tire and you know how to fix it, great, great. Responding with doing is meeting the need in the moment. We're talking about situations in which presence is most helpful, which my bias is that is most of the time. Most of the time, we first want to be received with presence. And then we might get some information or solve a problem, etc. Okay, the third thing that blocks the capacity to offer presence is selfing. When someone's sharing something, an experience they're having with you, you're immediately going to, how is this about me? How is this about me? And you're kind of going in circles there. And this is my, my sweet friend in our community. She has just a moment of being able to hear me and then she goes back to herself. And that can take a lot of different forms. It can take an, a form of an opinion. Oh, well, what I think about that is, right? And immediately giving her own perspective or her thoughts about it. It can take the form of agreeing or disagreeing. It can take the form of advice giving. Oh, well, this is how it should be. It can take the form of free association. Oh, well, my experience with this is what my, my friend usually does in, in my community. Oh, my experience about that is, right? So there's no opportunity as she just jumps in with her experience that's related to what I'm saying, there's no opportunity for her to hear the next thing about my experience. So our conversations can't really deepen 
If I'm really wanting a little deepening, I'll jump in and say, wait, I wanted you to hear one more thing. But for the context of this relationship, I don't really need it to deepen. I'm, I'm fine with how it is. Sometimes I have a little grief, like, oh, be nice if we could connect a little more. But it doesn't live so much for me as a priority that I want to change how it is right now. So three things that block the capacity to deepen in presence is being caught up in the mental realm with relative to details and content and missing out on the complexity of someone's experience of an event. You're so lost in the details of an event that you're not asking questions of them. How did they feel in that event? What was happening in their body in that event? What did they want in that event? What are they celebrating in that event? What was most important to them? What does it mean to them? When you're just focused on the content, you're asking questions like, oh, where did that happen? Oh, and what did they say when you said that? Oh, and then then what did they do next? And now whose house were you at? And when was this? Was this last week or yesterday? You're imagining that somehow getting every detail will bring more connection. Connection doesn't live in the details. A little bit, of course. You need a little bit of a setting, of course, to have connection. But most of the connection does not live in those details. The second one was doing. You're wondering, oh, do you want some help with that? Oh, can I tell you what I learned about that? Right? You're, what, are, what are you doing about what they're saying? That's where your focus is. And that block, blocks the capacity to deepen and to let the other person know that you're present with their experience. And then selfing was the third one. Whatever someone shares, you come back to yourself. What does that mean to you? What do you think about it? What does it remind you of in your own life? So that kind of listening, as you can tell, means you're very active inside about you. About what you think, what you're going to do, or how you associate to it. Those kinds of conversations could be fun. If someone really isn't looking for presence, then there's a quick back and forth, right? And it's kind of light. Sometimes they're fun. But they're also, and they're also quite limiting. So those are not examples of presence. When you're offering presence, you are saying yes to the experience of the moment. You're saying yes to staying right there. And if an impulse to jump past comes up, you just let that impulse go. You're just saying yes to being with. There's a beautiful trust underneath that yes. There's a beautiful trust 
in the natural unfolding of the connection between you and another person. You don't have to get busy inside to make it happen or to direct it in any way. You can relax and be still and quiet inside. There's, it's like there's a big space inside of you and between you and the other person and you trust it. You trust that space because from that big space something is born that surprises you. It's born from a bigger place. That bigger place you could talk about as the space in between you and another person. Or you could talk about that bigger space as a greater wisdom or a greater love that holds you both. When you're offering presence, you're saying yes to the moment and trusting in that quiet spaciousness and the natural unfolding of the next thing. The next thing might be your response. It might be a feeling in the other person or a memory. That's the process of deepening into a connection. Presence also includes a relaxed and open attention. In martial arts, in clowning, well, in creating any kind of art, really, a relaxed, open attention is an essential ingredient. Open attention means you're not dialing your attention in to one specific thing. You're allowing your attention to take in that person's face, their breath, their words, their tone of voice, their rhythm of voice, their body posture, the light in the room, or the sound of the outdoors if you're outside. Your, uh, your attention just gently moves among many things that are happening in the present moment with no hurry and with no agenda. That's a relaxed and open attention. And it's magical because from that relaxed, open attention, you can naturally respond to whatever presents itself in the moment. When we talk about being in the zone in sports or in any activity or in an interaction with another person, that's where we are. We're in this zone of presence, which includes an internal stillness and spaciousness and a relaxed, open intention, attention. Because from that place, we respond naturally. And we say, oh, we're in the zone because it feels so good, right? That's when you have that sense of alignment. Ah, 
alignment with life. Mm. We love that. We love that sense of being fully aligned with life. And that comes from presence. The last aspect of presence that I want to name is warm curiosity. Warm curiosity is really another way of saying yes to the experience of the moment. It's another way of describing that yes. When we're saying yes, we have a warm curiosity. There's that tone of acceptance. Our judgments are relaxed. They might pop up here and there, but we're not sticky with them. They don't stick to us. Right? When we're in warm curiosity, it's not that those things that we talked about that block presence stop coming up altogether. They might. It's just that we don't give them any energy. Oh, yes, your friend's talking about an experience with their dog, and of course you remember your dog, obviously. It's that you don't go with that impulse to talk about your dog. You stay with them. You recognize, oh, there's other times I can be heard about my dog, right? Because you value staying with that person and you know, you trust and you know the richness that staying with, being with brings. So with warm curiosity then, your questions arise from that connection in a natural sort of way. They arise with following the interest of the other person. That's the difference, essentially, from questions that arise from your own mental focus and your own need to know or information or clarity and questions that arise from presence. Questions that arise from presence Yes, they're following a bit of your own curiosity, but that curiosity is tuned in. It's like you've tuned in to the radio frequency of that person. If you watch a professional interviewer on a talk show like Oprah, let's say, you know, you'll notice how she delicately holds the purpose of the show, let's say, and her, her attunement to the person with her and how she follows their aliveness. And that's what makes an interview alive. I went to interviews, which is a funny comparison because interviews can also be incredibly agenda-driven. But the more skillful folks who are hosts or interviewers, like on Oprah, where there's this quality that she's created in her particular venue, you can, you can see that, right? You can see that, ah, she knows exactly how to follow this person and bring forth the richness of what they have to offer. And that's the other piece that's so satisfying, right? When you receive someone's presence, 
you discover within yourself this incredible richness of your own experience that you might not have been connected to a moment before. And that's fun, right? That's really fun. You deepen in your own experience with quality presence from another person. So let's go back and name these elements of what is presence. First, we said that presence is the act of saying yes to the experience of the moment. So that's broader in the sense that if no one else is there, right, you're still offering presence to your own experience or even with your animals, or even in nature, you're offering presence to that tree, to that bird. You're saying yes to the sunshine on your face. There's this broader sense of presence that you hope to bring to your life. Sometimes we use the word mindfulness. But as we go further into the realm of interactions with other people, or animals, then presence kind of connotes this more specifically focused form of mindfulness. Mindfulness being the larger term there. With presence, you're saying yes to the experience of of the moment as someone offers something to you to be with. And then there's three key elements that comprise presence, an internal stillness and spaciousness, a relaxed, open attention, and warm curiosity. And these three things are not offered with willpower alone. Certainly making the decision inside yourself Ah, yes, I want to offer presence in this moment. So important. Critical, right? Essential that you say that to yourself and that you carry that intention. And you can do that in the smallest of interactions. Right? It's that moment when you're multitasking or you're just tasking, right? You're focused on a task. And someone approaches you and they make a bid for your attention. John Gottman, the couples researcher, has that phrase, bids for attention. I like it. We do that a lot during the day. We do little things to make bids for another person's attention. Talking, offering a touch, We use some, sometimes we use more indirect bids for people's attention, right? I sometimes get a little irritated when I imagine someone is making an indirect bid for my attention by coming into a room and just doing a dramatic, what I might in my irritation call a dramatic sigh. They come into the same room and do, (gasps) 
But then they don't say anything, right? They're making a bid for your attention, for you to say, hey, something up? What's happening? For myself, I like direct bids for attention, for someone to take responsibility and make the big sigh and then say, can I tell you what just happened? And ask me directly. But that's okay. Sometimes we also have the generosity of heart to respond to indirect bids for attention. And so when we offer presence, we are saying yes to someone's bid for attention. And it's so liberating and less stressful to turn to someone, to drop the task you're doing and offer a clear yes or a clear no. When you're in between a yes and a no, one part of you is saying, okay, respond to them. Even though you're focused here and you want to stay focused, it's nice to respond. It's polite, (laughs) right? It's being a good friend or partner or community member family member to respond, but another part of you does not want to let go of your task. Woo! That in-between place, it's not fun. It's just stressful, and it typically builds irritation in you. And then, suddenly, you're angry, right? And you find yourself doing or saying something from anger that you later regret, and then you have a whole process about that. Ugh! So much suffering comes from not finding a clear yes or a clear no inside of you. And when you offer a clear yes, or when you would like to offer a clear yes, release your task and turn fully to the other person with your full presence. And in that turning towards them, You can set a boundary about how long you will be present. It doesn't have to be a competition between the other person and the task, right? You can say, Hi, I'd like to give you my full presence for about one minute, and then I want to return to my task. What's happening for you? It might sound kind of weird or funny to imagine doing that, And what I find from doing that for many years is that the other person might, in the first moment, feel a little startled. And then you'll see kind of an organizing, or what I interpret as an organizing look on their face, in which they recognize they have one minute, and then they use that one minute intentionally. It's quite nice. There's some part of them that is relieved. Ah, I know exactly how much attention I'm going to get right now. That also gives them an opportunity to assess. Oh, was I wanting more attention? And then if they have the skill or the presence within themselves, they might say, ah, this is actually a longer story. And I can tell you later when you can offer more presence, right? So they honor themselves by recognizing what they will really want back. 
And in that way, your interactions can become much more intentional and thereby much more satisfying. So offering presence is a clear yes. And you can decide. You get to decide when you say no to offering presence. Then you can say no. I hear that perhaps you're wanting a response right now. And I can tell you that I'm wanting to focus on what I'm doing for one more hour or 10 more minutes, whatever it is for you, right? You set a boundary on the other side and offer a clear no. Hmm. As I think about my years of working with couples in private practice, I think, whew, how many conflicts wouldn't even happen if this little tiny communication could occur up front. This clear yes and clear no could occur up front. When you give that clear yes or decide to give that clear yes to someone's bid for attention, and offer your presence, it's much easier to access these other three elements of internal stillness and spaciousness, relaxed open attention, and warm curiosity. Because your autonomy is so important. As human beings, we hugely value our choice, our autonomy. And so when you've really chosen consciously to offer presence, many, many parts of you will just relax. You just relax. There's no internal conflict or resistance. And you can enjoy the other person. You can enjoy the moment. And you can enjoy your own experience of offering presence for that other person. Hmm. So deeply fulfilling. Presence. Where would you like to offer presence today? Is there a particular person with whom you'd like to offer presence and be conscious about a clear yes or a clear no? Is there a particular place or event today in your day or tomorrow that you would like to set your intention to say yes to the experience of the moment? Anything could be an opportunity for offering presence. Often, I don't go to stores very much. Maybe just grocery stores. Often when I go to a grocery store, I say to myself, I want to offer presence to the clerk. Because I know I don't, I don't like going to grocery stores. <laughs> So sometimes I fall asleep with my, you know, without mindfulness in a grocery store. I go on automatic just to kind of move through it and get out of there. 
Whew, I don't enjoy the experience of not seeing people in front of me who are serving me in that moment by being a clerk, by playing the role of a clerk. I feel so much regret afterwards when that happens, when I lose presence. And, you know, it's not unusual that the clerk has fallen asleep, right? That they're just on automatic. And you have a sense like you barely exist, like you're a number going through their line. Yeah, it's understandable, right? They're tired. They might not be enjoying their work. Yeah. That doesn't need to stop you from offering presence, right? As you go through the lying, as you're waiting for that to be rung up, you don't have to be looking at them, but you can be focusing on them, offering them a wish for happiness, sending them love, or being curious about their experience in the moment, offering silent empathy, That's a form of offering presence. And I deeply believe it matters. I deeply believe that there's a level of consciousness and energy in which your presence flows regardless of whether the other person even noticed you and that you've contributed. What you can notice easily though is that you feel good doing it. You feel good offering presence when it comes from a full, heartfelt yes in you. Thank you so much for being with me. I deeply hope this has been helpful and contributes to you and your ability to offer presence in your day today or in tomorrow you're listening at bedtime. Thank you. Radiating love from my heart to yours. You can find free resources and information about mindful, compassionate dialogue, as well as Wise Heart's live offerings and self-paced workshops online at www.wiseheartpdx.org. You can also connect with WiseHeart on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or by emailing info at wiseheartpdx.org.